Welcome everybody, I'm Richard Krause. Hope you're staying happy, healthy, and safe. Welcome to a special Richard Krause Show podcast. Who is Alan McGee? Alan. 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 You are Alan McGee. Let's rewind. I'm going to be a millionaire one day. Now that's a good question. Who exactly is Alan McGee? Well, he's the Scottish co-founder of Creation Records, home to Primal Scream, My Bloody Valentine, Teenage Fan Club, and his biggest band, Oasis. By 1999, he was the most famous label boss in Britain. These days, he's the subject of a new biopic called Creation Stories, starring Ewan Bremner. And today, he's my guest via Zoom from his home in Wales. Let's find out who Alan McGee is. When you think back to all the bands that you signed on Creation, and it is a truly remarkable uh, uh, palette of talent that you brought in from Primal Scream to My Bloody Valentine and Teenage Fan Club, Jesus and the Mary Chain and Oasis and and many others. Is there a, a, a trick to figuring out who to sign and who not to sign, or did you just go by your gut? I was always signing people that I liked their music, and and they, and they had to be good live. Live is a big thing, really, and I mean, and it sounds weird to say that during COVID, you can make a good record and be a shit band. It's actually possible, and I've done it a few times. If you're great live, let's say somebody like Oasis were great live, then you're a great band, you know. Every now and then, a band comes along that changes your life. Like the one to the stage, Oasis. Is that what struck you about Oasis? That's the impression that I got from uh, the film. And I know that films sometimes take liberties with situations when they're based on real life. But it it, it seems to me that uh, you saw them, were transfixed by them, said, this is a a great live band. Let's do something together. Is that what it was? No, I mean, they were great live. They were really good that first gig I saw. Mm. But... um, but the real truth was that they were—they they just were good all over. The songs were good. And there was something about them. But you could tell because it was just—it was, was only four songs, my friend. You know what I mean? But it was just—they were just really good. It was a good band, you know. When you look back at all the records that you made, and they were coming out so quickly, there was one here in six weeks. You put out three uh, Stone Cold classics. You've got My Bloody Valentine's Loveless, Teenage Fan Club's Bandwagon-esque, uh, Screamadelica. I mean. It, this is an extraordinary run. When you think back to those records, or if you're out in the grocery store or in a club or something, and you hear one of those songs, does it take you back to that moment? Are they kind of like a, a catalog of your life? You know what? When they, these records were coming out, Richard, I realized at a certain point, it's never going to be this good again. Because it was just in six weeks, we literally did do Screamadelica. Yeah bandwagon-esque and loveless and any one of these records in any other year would have been album of the year but we put mm-hmm. three out in six six weeks or seven weeks it was really mad but it kind of worked as well because it made people take us really seriously after that mm-hmm. and then we got the gallicals do you know what I mean? i've heard stories about uh recording at rockfield when they when uh, oasis was there recording were you part of that were you there at that point not really I mean, I, I mean, I was there the whole time. You know, I mean, they they were a self-contained unit. With them in the first album, I did was step in and scrap it, re-record it, then scrap the mixes and then remixed it. And, and that wasn't even me that chose the mixer. It was their manager, Marcus Russell. He, he knew Owen Morris. 
And we tried a few different people. We weren't getting it right. We were starting to go, fucking hell, how are we going to do this? And then mm-hmm. Owen walked up and it was fucking great. You know what I mean? Where did the, the, the punk attitude of Creation Records come from? In the film, we see that you're a fan of the Sex Pistols, or as the character that plays your father, the Sexy Pistols calls them. Have you got your sister's makeup on? If I say much as here, you mention those Sexy Pistols, you wish you were never born. Tell me a little bit about that moment. I mean, is that where it all started for you? Yeah, but I mean, the punk thing creation's me. Do you know what I mean? That's it. Yeah. I mean, I still get punk attitude to fucking everything. Do you know what I mean? And I'm not saying that's always the best policy either. We're not living in very punk times anymore. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But um, but that's what I am. I, my heroes are the punks. You know, I was a kid when punk was happening. I was 15. Yeah. But I'm now friends with a lot of my heroes. Do you know what I mean? Like Paul Weller, Steve Diggle, uh, you know, Johnny Rotten, John Lydon. I'm friends with them all these people. You know what I mean? What is it like now to watch the film and see you and Bremner uh, play you? It's like I was still in the best party in the world, but got shit faced the night before and was too hungover to join me. Was I the ghost at the feast, the mythical creator of this world, hosting this party in my absence? Truth is, no one gave a fuck. The party just rolled on whether I was there or not. Uh, tell me a little bit about what that experience must be like. It's got to be surreal. Well, the film's not really that accurate, mate. To be honest, do you know what I mean? I mean? You're talking to me now, and it's like, I'm not that fucking mental, do you know what I mean? I'm just a guy that's got this punk thing going on, and I still believe it, and I still act like it most of the time. That character's just on drugs in the whole film, isn't he? I mean, it's funny, but... And I've I, I got to understand, I was only really a drug addict for seven years. It's not that long. Yeah, when you look at the whole span of... I'm 60, Richard. So I was a drug addict from 1987 to 1994 and then I've never really touched drugs since then and then I had a really bad drinking phase and I haven't had a drink for 15, 16 years. The truth is, you know, I'm like a choir boy these days, you know what I mean? You're listening to my interview with Alan McGee, co-founder of Creation Records and the subject of Creation Stories, a new biopic on VOD on July 23rd. Is that the mostly how sobriety has affected your life? It's just a lot quieter, a little more, uh, yeah. or a little I less predictable? I mean, I've, I mean, I don't need to have a big house to feel rock and roll. Do you know? I mean, I've got a big house, still living it. You know, well, I've got a couple of big houses. But I don't live in them, I live in a little flat in London. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Are you hearing any music out there right now that yeah. is really grabbing your ears? Yeah. Yeah, there's a band called The Gulps. Who are from Italy and, and Spain are brilliant. In the king's house, everyone has a dream. You will see William always having his magic tea. And after midnight, band called The Clockworks. It feels so real to me. It feels so real to me. Yeah, it feels so, feels so. And it feels so real to me. Yeah, there's, there's good stuff. I still, I'm still doing music and I still do young yeah. bands. And how are you finding them? Right now, during the pandemic, obviously we can't go see live music. Uh, how are you finding new music? They find me, to be absolutely honest. In the film, we see a, a great scene where a woman meets you in a club and she's got a tape and she's like, oh, you're in the record business. Of course, all along, she knows who you are, but... The girl in the film is my friend. It's a girl called Lily Robinson. I'll tell you who she exactly is. 
She's Bruce, do you know Bruce Robinson that wrote Whitney and I? Yes, yeah, 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 yeah. His daughter, right? I'm friends with Bruce, and he, he got me to put his daughter in the film, right? Wow. All I'll say is this. The girls in the 90s were never as good looking as Lily Robinson. I wish they had been. <laughs> <laughs> but I suppose there he's must have been a... He's beyond storming. So, you know, I mean, they, they didn't look like Lily Robinson back in the 90s. But I'll take the fact that supposedly she was interested in me, you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> well, there, there must have been a time when you were getting, you couldn't go out without someone trying to slip a tape into your... It's still a little bit. It's not so much... Nobody really knows what I look like now. I mean, I look, don't even look like me anymore, do I? You know, big beard right. and all that box. But yeah, but everybody's on me in the social media. Do you know what I mean? All hoping to catch your ear and, and become the next Oasis or whatever it might be. I love a quote from you here. I was looking up some interviews about you and you say, I signed Oasis because I was chasing a girl. And oh, that's, it's an incredible story. <laughs> I mean, that was probably just in terms of financial success. That must've been uh, one of the most important nights of your life. Oh yeah. Changed my life. Man. What do you think it was that it, it was about them? I mean, they just seemed to have it all they had the attitude they had the music what was it exactly they were so red hot and popular and still the legend remains today so what was it about them exactly they had, to, they had it they had it all they had yeah. the they had the charm they had the personality they had the songs they had the work ethic they had it you know what I mean? just over three years oasis will have gone from being a new signing to one of rock's true giants the live gig of the decade. The Oasis gears up to rock a quarter of a million fans. Oasis have played to more than a third of a million people in just over one week. And when we look at the other bands that you signed, uh, you know, I loved, well, I loved all of these bands, but I loved the Jesus and Mary chain in particular. Yeah, yeah, man. And I, my, one of my favorite interviews of all time, and I don't know whether you would have been there or not, it was here in Toronto on a show called The New Music. And they were being interviewed and the bass player uh, had his bass guitar with him sitting on his lap. And the interviewer said, why do you only have two strings on your guitar? And he said, that's a two of yours. I mean, what's the point spending money on a lottery? It's like two is enough. It's, it's adequate. Anybody can play this bass. It's like introduce another couple of strings and you confuse the guy. Because <laughs> it's adequate. It's such a fantastic answer. I'm friends with Douglas. That's who it is. Yeah, that sounds like Douglas, yeah. That is one of my favorite answers to a rock and roll question ever and made me love the band. He wasn't really a bass player. He was a chancellor, but he's a good, he makes good videos. He wasn't really a bass player. He was like, he was busking at me, you know what I mean? (laughs) Is there like a song from the totality of Creation Records that you would think is the song that most sums up the ethos of, of your record label? Yes, serious drugs by the BMX band. If you want your head rearranged, get some serious drugs. Get some serious drugs. And why so? Because it's about drugs. (laughs) That may be my second favorite rock and roll answer of all time right there. Um, Alan, thanks so much for this. What a pleasure to speak to you. Congratulations on the film. Thanks, mate. And enjoy the rest of your day. We'll see you soon. Thanks, man. 
That was Alan McGee, co-founder of the legendary Creation Records. You can find Creation Stories, the biopic about his life starring Ewan Bremner, on VOD starting July 23rd. Be a punk. Be a rebel always. There's always something to rebel for. What is this film? A documentary? No, it's a biopic. Forrest Gump means boys in the hood. 